0: Hi, my name is Dr. Christy Lewis, and I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor and holistic nutritionist. I've been in practice for well over a decade and treated thousands of people. Something that keeps me up at night is if people know what to do, then why are they not doing it? If we are all trying to live our best life, then why do we compromise, sabotage, and avoid ourselves from making choices that will ultimately rise us up? a basic truth has been revealed. Behavior modification, as simple as it may seem, is very difficult to implement. Hence the birth of this podcast. In between visits are short and sweet shares where I will answer your questions about how to stay on track, support, inspire, and motivate you on your journey. See you in your struggles, affirm you in your challenge, and reassure you that you are not alone. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Dr. Christy. I hope you are having a great day and uh, thanks so much for joining me today. So the question that I'm going to answer is a little bit controversial and I'm super, super open to people, um, yeah, feedbacking and commenting, letting me know what their thoughts are, what their experiences are, um, because it's it's juicy. You know, the question really is what's the best diet to follow? And that, the shorter answer is I have no idea. So <laughs> So one of the amazing things about doing something for two and a half decades is the confidence that comes with saying, I don't know. Um, But, you know, we're not going to end there. That's not the end of the podcast. And yeah, thanks. That's my answer. And, you know, go have a bag of Doritos. Um, But the, the answer really is, I think it's constantly changing. I think we're constantly seeing new research. I think that You know, we are still very much, as much as things have been reframed to come across as health benefits or um, even lifestyle approaches, it really is, we're still constantly being Bombarded with the diet culture, and um, as much as we've moved so far around body shaming and understanding around just basic nutrition and the needs to not only eat for mental emotional um, health as well as physical health, that there is still this messaging around these trends and these trends. Um, Fortunately, in my humble opinion, um, are even louder because of social media and different sort of messaging that we're getting, uh, you know, both, um, you know, on purpose and, and a lot of it just even subconsciously, uh, I, the other day I was out at a coffee shop and I was just sitting, um, doing a little bit of work and, you know, it was fascinating in that time, a few tables came through and believe me, I'm working, I'm not <laughs> eavesdropping, although that, that's maybe in question. Um, and it's like people... You know, and I I'm stereotyping, but um, especially women, you know, really always talking about well, what they ate, what they're not doing, what they are doing. And it's like, wow, we're still here. We're still really here. And so <coughs> pardon me, I have a I have I I'm just coming off of a cold. So these cough this coughing is just gonna be part of today's episode. Um, so the short answer really is whatever's best for you, in my opinion. So so we move into how do you know what's best for you? So there is no one diet that is right for everyone. That is, I, I really, after literally working with four, over 4,000 people in my career, um, it really is this recognition that I don't know what is right for everyone. Um, but I do know that there is an approach that is going to be ideal for, um, an individual. And so there's just so many factors. What I have also learned is that food is very seldom about food. Um, you know, we've made it about food. We've made it, made it about nutrients and all these other different aspects. But at the end of the day, Food is pleasure, food is social, food is therapy, few, food is friend. Uh, food is not just about fuel, and so we need to factor that in. We need to understand that as we are you know making these choices around what type of nutrition protocol or program we want to be on. It was kind of fascinating, I would say it was about a year ago, and I was um at the gym and i was someone said to me asked me about something. Um, and I don't know how it came up that I eat carbs (laughs) and someone said to me, Oh my God, you're so lucky. You're just lucky. You can eat carbs. And I was like, what? I mean, call me crazy. I, I, I mean, we're going to get into the breakdown. I, I think we all need carbs. That's my opinion. You, me, um, all of us, we are basically, uh, made from protein fat and carbs, so we keep our bodies alive by eating, and every single thing we eat is a protein a fat, a carb or and or a combination of those things. so to completely remove one of those macronutrients, I think is a mess, and I mean in my in my even in the last twenty years, so in half my lifetime, basically you know I went through those um, years where I only ate carbs because I was avoiding fat. And I share that because it's interesting that, you know, even within two decades, now it's completely the opposite, where you're okay to eat as much fat as you want, as long as you don't eat any carbs. So I think even the fact that it's changed so much in a relatively short time is suspect to some of the longevity of these fads and these trends. So back to this idea that I'm lucky to eat carbs, I mean... I maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there is this idea and I'm being naive or maybe even a little bit insensitive to the fact that some people, you know, really feel that they can't have the carbs. Um, I really think it's the type of carbs. And I will tell you a little bit about me. I I need carbs because I've tried, I've tried without, and um, I can't, my nervous system can't handle it. So one of the things about the body that I'm in is that I have a very highly reactive nervous system. I'm, um, again, I think I'm a, <laughs> a lovely, a lovely partner and a, and a nice person, and I'm very kind and respectful. But I move through different um, ups and downs, and so not having carbohydrates uh, is it w- was fueling that for me, and um, quite frankly, triggering some of my anxiety symptoms. So. If I put too much stress on my body by not having car- carbohydrates, um, then what happens is I will ultimately end up with most likely a nasty cold sore um, you know when i 'm talking like mouth to nose friends like really uh, nasty i 'll definitely start struggling with insomnia, nervous tremors, and sure you know this might sound like oh poor you, but I will get underweight and it's not, it's not pretty. It's not something that, you know, is attractive. It's like, it's, it doesn't, I don't look well. And so friends, none of that's sexy. So yeah, I need oatmeal, brown rice, sweet potatoes, you know, in, in moderation with each meal along with my protein and my fats. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that is luck, but I also think it's about knowing your body and knowing what's best for you. So, you know, you don't, have to have carbohydrates if you're listening to this and you're like, but ketos work so well for me. Again, we move full circle to what is, I guess, complicated about, you know, my theory, which is really there is not one program or one protocol around nutrition for one person. Um, but, you know, let's just go through a little bit. I'm going to just quickly review four of the kind of things that I'm seeing in practice most often. Um, you know, and again, there are lots of different studies. And yes, it's very controversial. I also read, that you can prove a point for anything so for the very people who are saying intermittent fasting is the best thing ever and you only need to eat for three hours a day you also have those exact same people who um, another group of people who are saying no you know you need to grace through the day and you need to have small meals often and so again the take-home message is find what is right for you um, and find what is right for you based on how you feel how it fits with your lifestyle and make those choices from an empowerment place as opposed to uh, as from a trendy or a fad place. Um I think, you know, it's amazing that if you, you know, when you find something that works for you and that you're able to follow it in a way that becomes a lifestyle. And just because it's going to work for you doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone else. So, God bless people out there who have found something and feel like every person around them should be following that or would feel a million bucks if they just did what they're doing. Yeah, it's not true. Believe me, I have the beauty of sitting. In my chair one-on-one with people and what works for one person does not work for the other and it's my job to help them and to support the body them and their body to find the right the right aspects um, and again also on the mental emotional front so with regards to the four things I'm thinking I'm gonna go through is the ketogenic so ketogenic is really high consumption of fat and again I'm I'm like this is streamlined so there's so 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 much on this I mean literally whole sections of chapters um, books that chapter or indigo on this stuff now so but really you know probably one of the biggest things about keto is it's quick weight loss so i can i can say for sure i see patients go on keto and they lose weight very very quickly um it's high consumption of fats, folks. So it's not high protein. So again, this can be somewhat confusing for people. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, it's like high protein. No, it's actually very, very high fat. And so um, within that, you know, some of the cons and what I see in practice show up for some people is constipation um, in that they're not getting that high, they're not getting any fiber. You know, when when carrots and broccoli become a um, forbidden food, then it's difficult to get... That high level of um, fiber in there's an overburden on the liver and the colon um, for some, right? So you want to be making sure that you don't have, you know, gallstones or you don't have fatty liver before you do something like that. Uh, It's definitely um, challenging for the aging population, especially for women, because we are already losing muscle mass. And when you go very high fat with uh, a weight, uh, with a significant weight loss, chances are you're losing a fair amount of muscle mass. And, you know, that's pretty, that's a pretty... uh, a high, high, it's like a high commodity at this time. Like you want to be able to keep as much muscle mass as possible. And as I said earlier, what I've seen in practice, um, is really, it's not great for people who have highly reactive nervous systems or even adrenal fatigue. So I think, you know, certainly the pro is quick weight loss. The, um, the, the difficult one is that, you know, you, you just want to make sure that you're not losing muscle mass and you're supporting your organs of elimination as well as detoxification. Pathways. So, keto. Paleo, I, I would say I really like paleo from the perspective of more of a whole approach, and that really is the avoidance of anything processed. So, I, I mean, I'm simplifying, but you know, really what you're doing is from the earth. So, if it hasn't been hunted and gathered, then typically you're trying to avoid it. So, the pros again is that you're really getting a reduction of empty calories and you're really avoiding any inflammatory foods. So, you're eating foods that are very sort of anti inflammatory versus pro inflammatory. And I would also argue that because you're not eating packaged foods, you're most likely getting less toxins. Again, then there's a the controversy about organic versus non organic. But I would say by a whole, if you're staying away from processed packaged foods, then you're getting less chemicals in your system. So it's, I think it's actually a pretty, a pretty good one. The con is that it's what I've seen is it's, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of food prep, right? I mean, obviously. And any of these are, you know, you're you're now now you're thinking about food in a different way when you f- start following any one of these um, programs. But you know, really, it's not great with people that have busy lifestyles, um, or um, they're finding that they're overwhelmed because they uh, they can't find the foods uh, easily accessible for them. Uh, intermittent fasting is huge. I would say that's something that is about the loudest right now out there, and this is when you're only eating certain during a certain hours. So there's a, diff- a few different ways to do it. You can you can um, do it daily where you don't you only eat for eight hours a day or ten hours a day. You can uh, do where you're basically. Um, only eating, or you're fasting one day a week, so you consume water or broth or whatever just for one day, uh, or you can do it where you are consuming food for two or three days and then fasting a day, two or three days and fasting. So there's just different ways. So, in, in essence, what you're doing is you're taking a, um, food out of your system and you're quote unquote fasting uh, so that you're not putting extra stress on your system. So you know, there has definitely been improvements with metabolic changes, you know, again, weight loss, but also things like blood pressure and cholesterol. And mind you with a keto and the paleo, you're going to say, see all of the same things because you are moving to more of a whole food diet. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but, but you know, really what you're doing is you're only eating. So of course, if you're consuming only certain hours, then you're consuming less calories and less calories means weight loss. So, and then obviously, um, you know, you're also going to have a focus on whole food eating. Now, the con with this, in, in my opinion, again, is this idea around your thyroid. So it really depends on do you have an, a thyroid a, like an, a healthy thyroid because if your thyroid gland which is the gland that's really um responsible for, for metabolism if that gland is even slightly suboptimally functioning and that doesn't always show up in conventional labs or um through your medical doctor's testing then you know what you're doing is you're putting a lot of stress on on you know basically the hormones so even within a 12 to 14 hours, and again, it's very individualized. You can have some people who's something called an RT3. I won't get too uh, heady here, but basically, what happens is you end uh, the thyroid gets the messaging to slow down because there's less nutrients. In this, you're also obviously going to get some weight loss that's um, muscle mass as well, and again, that's going to have an influence on your metabolism long run. And the third thing is glucose challenges, right? Like not everyone can handle these very, very long stretches without eating and not having like hypoglycemia or... And again, over time, you might adapt to longer periods of stretching um, without food and your insulin levels will be able to, you know, withstand that. But at the same time, I think we want to be mindful of a slow start to that. So I think, you know, certainly again an opportunity here, but within moderation and and a potentially, uh, you know, supporting in, supporting out. And then the last one I'm going to talk about is um, a vegan kind of plant-based or not kind of fully plant-based diet. And this is very high in fiber, high in antioxidants. I mean, again, you're eating whole foods. The challenge with vegan is for some people, it's really hard to break down. So you need actually a lot of digestive fiber. So I see a lot of patients who are coming in doing vegan or want to do vegan or they've decided they want to live a healthier lifestyle and what ends up happening is they they have a really difficult time breaking that food down because they're not used to all of that fiber and um, so that's not necessarily a bad thing but again we want to think about if you want to be a vegan how are you going to support your digestive system leading up to that transition so that you're not just ending up with a lot of bloating and gas and even you know sort of uh, potentially aggravating uh, dysbiosis or sibo, which is that bad bacteria in your in your gut so um, and then with with the vegan diet as well is it is easy to eat junk foods um, and still consider yourself to be vegan so there 's a lot now especially available around processed and refined foods, high sugar foods that where you really are still getting you 're vegan but you 're not necessarily eating healthily so Ketogenic, paleo, intermittent fasting, vegan, and there are so, so, so many more out there, but those are the ones that I'm seeing in practice most frequently. I would say the interesting thing about all of these and why I don't, I mean, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm really poo pooing any of them, but what I am saying is, you know, you want to be really mindful around what it is you're doing, ask yourself the why, you know, why are you doing this? 95% people, it really is about weight loss. So ask yourself, okay, what is the long-term sustainability of that? Not just in behavior and lifestyle, but also in physiology. So if you, if you are doing intermittent fasting and you are doing um, a keto protocol and you're losing all this muscle mass, then inevitably these things are not meant. They never were meant to become lifestyles where you do this every day for the rest of your life. When you do start eating quote unquote um, normally again or back into, you know, sort of still eating well, but maybe a little bit less restrictive, then you most people find they're gaining the weight back um, and and quite quickly and often even more so. So, no different than what we've learned about the diet menta- mentality 30, 40 years ago, that in essence, people who do a lot of dieting ultimately will lose the weight only to find themselves gain it back and gain it back um, actually even at a quicker and a higher rate. And that is because you're disrupting your metabolic pathways and even um, potentially interfering with you know your body composition and your ability to hold on to muscle mass mass. So, I mean, again, when we start something new, so, so why these things? You know why? Why do we do these things? Because it's kind of exciting. You know the reality is is that any transition, anytime we're doing something new, there's a little bit of like you know direction. It's purposeful, maybe even a little hopeful, and everyone loves that. I mean, at the end of the day, saying to someone, "Yeah, just eat more vegetables." which is kind of my practice style, but either people either love working with me or don't, but it's like, it's, there's nothing super sexy about that. Right. I mean, it's just sort of like, okay, well, you know, keep doing what you're doing and add more water and have more vegetables. But I really think that's where the longevity is. And so all these programs offer, um, really a place to focus on whole food eating. So anyone who starts any new program, whether you're going to become vegetarian, whether you've decided to do reverse dieting or, Macro macronutrient calculating. Whether you're doing keto or vegan, you're in essence, you know, there's no none of those diets start with okay, and you're gonna get up and have two waffles and um, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, with with a bunch of whipped cream on top. They start with a really whole food eating. And so basically you're going to feel great in the beginning of whatever one of these you start. So you've got the mental, emotional excitement and purpose and direction alongside with just cleaning up your diet because you are moving to more of a whole food um, approach. I would say probably one of my, my biggest things with all of these as the restriction component. So I feel like it's kind of fascinating how we have evolved in a diet culture where I think for many, many years um, it really was about like caloric restriction. It was all about how do we reduce calories in. And there's elements of that in all four of the ones I talked about. Um, But really what we're doing now is we're actually taking it next level. We're taking it next level to restricting a whole macronutrient. Okay, so we're not having any carbs. We're just having protein and fat, or we're competing, avoiding a whole um, component of food or a whole area, for lack of a better description, of the Canadian Food Guide, which would be sort of the meat and meat alternatives. If you're vegan, and believe me, I understand those moral, those ethical, and at the end of the day, we need to do what is best for us. So, as I'm going through these things, and you know, if there's an essence of well. You know, and this worked for me, or she's missing this aspect of it awesome because that means you have found something that is a right for you. This is just more to sort of challenge. whole thing you know to take a big big step back and realize okay if you're thinking about doing one of these things or if you've done one of these things and it maybe worked but then didn't work or maybe you know you are in the midst of it and it's not quite kind of yielding the results that it did for your friend Um, I'm just trying to kind of show you the different components around why that might be and so with you know with regards to this all of them is that yes you're you're avoiding whole macronutrients or you're whole avoiding whole um you know types of food groups. And then the other thing is with the the intermittent fasting is now we're moving into we're actually avoiding hours of the day. You know, so it's a whole whole level of restriction where, you know, people are only eating one or two or three hours a day. And you know, probably within all of that, so again, I mean, there's, we can go through the potential health risks. I think we could argue that all of them have a higher, a higher yield of a health benefit versus a health risk. You know, you're not, you're, you're most likely not going to hurt yourself. You might feel a little bit uncomfortable. You might have a little bit of a transitional window, but you're not necessarily going to harm yourself the challenge on, on a physical level, but what I do see 10 out of 10, I, and again, I see this all the time is really an, an inability to stick with it because of that restriction component, you know, so that's probably the biggest con I see. So what you want to be thinking about is what's the game plan here? You know, are you doing something like an intermittent fasting and, or a ketogenic or, and, or paleo for a period of time, you know, and if you are doing that, Have you supported your body through that? You know, are you are you doing it in a way that is right for you? You know, where's your digestion at? Where are your livers, where's your liver, your enzymes at? Do you need to do maybe a little bit of a, a detox or a liver support before you move into something like this? Do you need to be taking, you know, apple cider vinegar or digestive enzymes to break down those vegan foods? You know, how do you set yourself up for success both in the short run and the long run? And recognizing that all of these, with maybe the exception of the vegan diet, which again is, is often more moral ethical lifestyle, it it was set up for short term medical it wasn't ever meant to be okay now this is your journey for the rest of your life and so what you want to think about is okay if you're doing it how long are you doing it for and at the end of finishing something like that what is your next step what is your transition into a day to day lifestyle approach and so Those are the types of questions that I certainly have when I'm working with patients around any of these protocols. And if someone is um, not overly uh, committed and or um, really focused on picking one of these things, then I will do my best to show them the benefits of all of them and how we can integrate aspects of each of them, which allows for a more balanced approach physically, as well as behaviorally and in the lifestyle. So, this is kind of what I would typically recommend. So if this is, um, if you're sort of on the fence and you're like, okay, how do I move forward? So this is all lovely, Christy, but what what am I supposed to do here? Is I would take a little bit of all of them, so a bit from this and a bit from that. So um, typically, what I would recommend would be keeping your insulin low in the morning. So if you want, we'll we'll use the same labels, um, just because I think uh, it's easier to define. But keeping the mornings keto. So if you really want to do more of a keto morning, uh, then what you would do is keep your starchy carbohydrates keep your maybe high glycemic or high sugary fruits out of the morning and this makes sense physiologically because we want to keep insulin low in the morning because insulin is something that's going to turn on um, our fat storing like uh, the idea of keep storing fat and it also starts a sort of a roller coaster of when we have a very high sugar breakfast then we're going to crash and then we're going to be looking for another hit of glucose to and our insulin is going to jump back up and we start to ride that roller coaster all day long. So keto mornings would be something I would look at. Um, And again, you know, you can do a couple eggs with some avocado, some nice sea salt. Definitely start your morning with lots of water. So break your fast every morning with water and um, maybe even a bit of lemon. And again, I'm a big fan of electrolytes in the morning. So a bit of sea salt. Then you have your keto breakfast, whether that's again, some eggs. I'm not a big fan of like 17 slices of bacon. You know, maybe you have a few slices of bacon or turkey bacon and you really think about not am I being keto, but how am I keeping my insulin levels low? What are the things I'm doing to keep my insulin levels low in the morning? Then, if you have the resilience, you have the blood glucose levels to manage it, and a thyroid level that is healthy, then perhaps you do fast, but you fast for four hours. You fast for, you know, you have your breakfast at eight or nine, and then you fast until noon or one, at which time you have your maybe more of like a vegan type lunch so this is high beans high lentils before you have your vegan lunch maybe have some apple cider vinegar to increase your hydrochloric acid this is where you know i would recommend some grains or you have some starchy vegetables sweet potatoes um, squashes with beans lentils and some good fat not you know a whole avocado 3 tablespoons of olive oil and walnuts one of those things And you add that to your vegan lunch, um, again, for that nice high fiber, high protein. And then within that, you then move to more of a flexitarian or a paleo dinner. Again, if you're not eating meat, then using more of a vegetarian source at that time. But, you know, this is the time where fasting again from uh, lunch to dinner, assuming it's no more than four to six hours, um, again, studies show that if we When we're grinning and bearing, when we're starting something new, we can definitely do this fasting. But as we move into, you know, the sort of day to day grind of this, it loses its sex appeal. Then you know, studies show that we're snacking at night if we're not eating enough through the day. So you know, don't go four to six hours. Excuse me, don't go six to eight hours between lunch and dinner. Go maybe four hours. And if it's going to be a longer break, you're going to the gym, you're doing something. Have you know a handful of almonds. Have um some hummus. And carrots have a snack that's going to allow you to uh, sustain your energy, um, give you energy if you're going to be going working out or you have a pottery class or you're doing something after work, and then you're going to ensure that you're not over consuming at dinner because dinner is the one I would say again. Nothing sexy here. You, you do your protein, you do your, your carb and you do tons of fruits and vegetables and fat in moderation. So the carbohydrate, it's not about, okay, now I'm going to have big, plates. um, um, plates of uh, fettuccine alfredo, you're still keeping that in moderation. So the breakfast being more of an insulin supporting or low insulin breakfast, keeping carbohydrates out there. But lunch and dinner, lunch being more of a a vegetarian lunch, beans, lentils, dinner is where we bring in our fish, our chicken, our lean red, um, red meat. And we do that with small portions of either starchy vegetables or grains, along with lots of fruits and vegetables and good fat. So again, you know, that intermittent fasting happens between meals, but then it also happens every night. So if you were to simply walk away and say, okay, my version of intermittent fasting is that I don't eat from 7 p.m. until the following morning at 9 a.m. And then I have my high- high protein, um, higher fat breakfast, then I have my vegetarian lunch, and then I have my um, more, you know, paleo or meat and grain um, uh, starch breakfast, uh, starchy vegetable dinner, and I'm fasting every night, lots of water through the day, Folks, you're going to feel great. And there's a sustainability component. This isn't a short-term diet fix. This is okay. This is my lifestyle. I'm getting tons of variety. I'm getting sustainable energy. And you know what? If I want to have a piece of dark chocolate or I want to have a glass of wine or I want to have a, you know, a... Um, slice of pizza. I'm doing it at dinner and I'm still making sure that there's lots of vegetables there. I'm still making sure that I'm having two slices and not four slices. I'm going to forgo the, maybe the meat lovers and I'm going to get one with a little bit of chicken or maybe I'll try that cauliflower crust. So it allows you so much flexibility while at the same time you're not depriving yourself so that you can ensure that you, you can stick with this. This becomes lifestyle. So What we've done, what I've done today, and again, I'd love your feedback, um, but really looking at, you know, this idea of doing a combination. So, We don't need to be one of these things. We don't need to define and identify as one of these things. We can learn from all of them and really incorporate that, so that we're not we're getting the pro of all of them and we're letting go of the cons of them as well. So I'd love to hear your feedback from that. If anyone, I'm sure I'm sure there's all kinds of opinions floating out there, and I I think that's amazing because it allows me to grow and evolve as well. So um yeah, let's let's stay contact let's stay in contact about this one and. Thanks again. Have a great day.